Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Chef's Story. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton, and today we're broadcasting from the International Culinary Center in Soho. And I am delighted to have with me as my guest today, Brooke Williamson, who's the executive chef and co-owner of um, three establishments, the Triple in Playa del Rey, Hudson House in Rondondo Beach, and Playa Provisions. And as you can imagine, they are not in Soho, New York. (laughs) They are in Los Angeles. So it's so nice to have a visiting chef here um, uh, from L.A. And welcome, Brooke. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, just let me tell people a little bit about your background. You probably would know her if you saw her, um, because she is um, she has been on uh, a lot of TV shows, <laughs> and uh, she started very young in in this profession uh, at age nineteen under the guidance of uh, Chef Ken Frank. She won first place in Quadi's four star pastry competition. She's the youngest female chef ever asked to cook at the James Beard House. She's a star chef, rising star. She She's also certified by the Court of Master Sommeliers. She's a sommelier as well as a chef. Um, she's married to her business partner and chef, uh, and they have one son. And uh, it just seems like that she has um, a lot in her background that got her to catapult her on these TV shows, and uh, she's a winner. So, so, <laughs> so Brooke, tell me, how, how did you start with food? Well, where, were you, where did you grow up, and um, what was your young food-like um, life like? Wow. Um, where did I start with food? I don't know. I was about six years old or so when I decided I wanted to be a chef. I bet you had food before then. <laughs> I ate food before then. It was around that age, though, that I started telling my friends at school that I was going to be a chef, um, kind of out of nowhere. It was just something that I always loved and wanted to do and had this utmost respect for, for all the chefs that I, for Julia Child, who I'd wake up and watch on TV instead of cartoons and, um, Jacques Pepin and was like those original, I don't know, it was maybe the pride that they carried in what they did and the precision of what they did and, and how much they loved it. It just seemed like a really fun profession to me. Um, Were so. your fa- was your family in the food business? Not at all. Um, my mom was a fine artist. My dad was a photographer. So they were both creative people mm-hmm. uh, and both, you know, understood the value of what food did for a family and and how, you know, all the things that food could, could be, um, but definitely not in the restaurant business. Yeah. So at six years old, were you cooking? 
I was making pancakes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I sort of developed this desire to wake up on the weekends and experiment in the kitchen before my parents always slept in. Uh, they didn't have office jobs, so they were night people, and uh, and I would wake up in the morning and have a lot of time to kill in the morning. So I would experiment in the kitchen, you know, just making scrambled eggs and pancakes and stuff for breakfast, and that obviously developed a little bit later on for me. So um, when you were in grammar school and high school, what, what kind of subjects did you like? What kind of student were you? Hmm. Um, I always loved science. Um, I was definitely a science girl. Uh, I enjoyed sports. I, you know, I wasn't much of a reader. I've never been much of a reader. <laughs> um, I love reading, um, but it was not a subject that I did well in school. I still can't spell to save my life. Um, but you know, I was definitely a creative person. So tell me about your journey. How did you, you get where you are today? Um, you know, if your family wasn't in the business, and when did you take your first job, and why did you take it, and what was it like? Uh, wow, so many things got me here to where I am today. Uh, I, when I was about 15, I decided I wanted to um, learn more about the professional world of cooking and took a class at Epicurean Culinary Institute in Los Angeles. Uh, it was just a, just a really simple basics course, um, but I was the youngest one in the class by about 20 years. And How old were you? <laughs> I was 15. So, um, you know, at, at the time when I was, when I was 15, there, it, cooking wasn't this glamorous sort of showy career that young people wanted to get into. I was definitely the only one my age who, who would have even thought of, of making cooking a career, uh, especially as a female at that time. And so, yeah, I took this class at, at Epicurean, and it was either, you know, housewives who wanted to learn how to cook for their husbands or men, you know, in their 30s who were thinking about maybe getting into the culinary world. Um, the following summer, I, I had done very well in the class, and the following summer I ended up um, assistant teaching at the school, and uh, I was finally had my driver's license, so I was able to get there myself. Uh, I ended up going to college for a year in Colorado because my parents had invested a lot in my education, and I felt like I owed it to them. Uh, they also felt like I was the type of person who wouldn't who would never follow through with anything. So I needed to have that college diploma. Um, I were, I went to college for a year, and then I came back home and. Uh, went into La Toque, which was Ken Frank's restaurant at the time in Los Angeles, which, uh, sorry, La Toque was before, sorry. I went into the Argyle Hotel where he had uh, his restaurant in Los Angeles. La Toque was way before that, and my father actually knew him when he had La Toque in, La in Hollywood. Uh, and this was right before he opened La Toque in Napa Valley. And I begged him for a job, and he said, I have a position in the pastry kitchen. Um, you'll start at the bottom. And I said, fantastic. I couldn't have been more excited. So that's kind of where my culinary, my real professional career took off. So how many years did you work there? I worked there for, I don't know, about a year and a half. Uh, I worked my way through pastry and uh, found myself on pantry and then the grill. I kind of worked my way around that kitchen. Uh, Ken's sous chef Brian at the time uh, 
was was someone who took me under his wing and made it his mission to teach me technique because I hadn't gone to school and I wasn't sure if I was going to go to school, culinary school that is. And Ken Frank was actually the one who told me not to go to school, to stay in his kitchen, and and eventually I would work my way through the kitchens. And so that's what I did, and uh, and it, it worked out for me. <laughs> so, so what did you learn? Which techniques at what restaurant? How did that work, and how long did it take you to really get a full complement of chef techniques? Well, I mean, I feel like I'm still learning my full complement of chef techniques. I learn something new every day. There's something new developed every day. At the time, it was more, you know, making, you know, what was in mirepoix, what was in, um, you know, how to make a roux, how to clarify a stock, how, uh, you know, how to butcher something. Um, and, And that was something that that you can read about, um, but if you're not going to go to culinary school, the the experience of actually doing these things was something that I wasn't sure that I was going to to learn. And fortunately, I had someone that really cared about how much I loved what I was doing. So, um, what was it like? What year was that? And what was it like being a woman in a kitchen? Because it sounds like a pretty traditional kitchen if mm-hmm. it was strict. And did you, how did it feel? Was there, were there a lot of women in the kitchen? Uh, I mean, I started in the pastry kitchen and there were two other women in the pastry kitchen and we made up um, the three women in the entire kitchen. (laughs) Uh, You know, I was, I was 18 years old, just turned 18 years old. Uh, You know, I fit right in, in the pastry kitchen. It was, you know, but when, when I, wanted to work my way into the savory kitchen. It was, it was a different story. I was definitely the youngest by far in the kitchen and, uh, and the only female in the savory kitchen. I, I personally took it as a wonderful challenge, uh, to show all these older men that I could do everything that they could do and possibly better. How physical was it? Very physical. I mean, were you used to being physical? I mean, you know, were you very strong and athletic and able to bench press? <laughs> bench press? I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I, I was I was a tomboy as a kid. I played soccer. I played tennis. I played um, sports, and I loved to run. And I definitely was, still am a very physical person. Uh, it's it's how I relieve stress and. Uh, I, you know, I'm not the type of person to ask for help very easily. Um, so the physical aspect was not incredibly challenging for me. Um, the long hours on my feet, you know, anybody's feet get tired and sore and, um, you know, it was, it it was a grueling job, but I loved what I was doing and I loved the fact that I could see opportunity and that outweighed anything that I could comp- possibly complain about in terms of tired. <laughs> what was the opportunity you were looking at? Well, I was working for, um, you know, an incredibly talented, well-known chef. And every day, the, every day we were serving people that I admired and looked up to. And, and I felt like it was my doorway into a business that I had always wanted to be in. So where did the journey take you next? Next, uh, I went for an interview at Michael's in Santa Monica. I was. Um, Why did you choose? That? 
Well, actually, my parents had dinner out one night and were sitting at a table next to the general manager of Michael's and overheard, overheard them talking about the restaurant. And my father, as he does, interjected into other conversations that weren't at his table uh, and started talking about his daughter, who loved cooking and was working at the Argyle at the time. And um, he happened to, he ha- happened to mention that there was a uh, line cook position available at Michael's. So I called and uh, he gave him his card. I called, I went in for an interview, interviewed with the chef at the time was uh, Sang Yoon, who has, had just recently gotten that position. And he hired me that day as the hot apps cook. So wow, yeah. <laughs> and how are the how are the kitchens different? Um, my, I mean, Phoenix at the Argyle, Ken Frank was a very sort of classically trained French chef, uh, saying, um, had a lot of Asian influence. He had come from Chinois and, um, you know, new French technique, but definitely did more rustic. And the menu at Michael's was very traditional California cuisine. I mean, he was the innovator pretty much. He and Alice Waters were, you know, created California cuisine. So it was a lot of local produce and um, focusing more on the simplicity of of local ingredients. Mm -hmm. So um, what were the size differences between the restaurants? If you were the hot apps, you know, right thrown right there. I mean, were you ready for it after a year? Because you you only spent a year and a half really cooking professionally. And Michael's, it's a pretty intense restaurant and has pretty big, you know, cover turnover. Yeah. I mean, the Argyle was a hotel, so there was a lot involved that I um, didn't necessarily get my hands onto at the Argyle. Um, Going to Michael's, I knew I was, I, I knew I was walking into a very um, well-known kitchen and nothing that I did would be overlooked. And was I ready? Absolutely not. Um, but I, again, I saw opportunity to prove not only to other people that I could do the job, but to myself. And I, I feel like sort of in, in my experience, the best way of learning is to walk into a situation that you're not totally comfortable with, that you feel like you need to prove to, to yourself that you can actually do that job. And that was, that was that opportunity for me. Ah. So then after Michael's, where did you go? Um, I came to New York and um, staged at Danielle for a bit. And that was a completely different experience that was I mean everyone in that kitchen spoke French and if you didn't understand French you you pretty much had to learn it, <laughs> had to learn it. um you know you you do what you're told even if it's not told to you in the language that you understand um so, so what did they have you do um you know I I spent some time in in many different departments uh at Danielle uh and finally was trusted for a few days to work the hot apps station at at uh, at Danielle and by the time I left Michael's I was a sous chef at Michael's um, at the age of 20 1920 so um, you know I really thought I knew what I was doing and then walked into this incredibly um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for uh, I, I mean it was it was just a whole different planet and New York at the time was so much more advanced than Los Angeles, and I didn't know that places like this existed in the United States. <laughs> Felt like I was walking into a really beautiful traditional French kitchen. 
So we're going to take a little break here, but I want to come back and explore that uh, a bit more. What, what do you think the difference between American kitchens and European kitchens are like, and why? program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast regional forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Chef's Story. I'm Dorothy Can Hamilton, and today my guest is Brooke Williamson from L.A. Uh, she has three great restaurants, The Triple in Playa del Rey, Hudson House in Rondondo Beach, and Playa Provisions. So, Brooke, so an L.A. girl and, you know, working in really great L.A. restaurants, you come to New York, you know, what was the atmosphere like in Danielle? I know there's a lot of listeners out there, you know, who aspire to do what you've done. And um, on this journey, you know, what is it? What is it like? You're very comfortable. You're a sous chef at twenty. You really think you know what you're doing. What What was it in Danielle's kitchen? Can you get more granular for us? I mean, it, it was a while ago, and and I was um, it was brief, but. I mean, it was an ex- it was an experience that I will never forget. I, I remember constantly feeling nervous and like I was about to screw something really major up. I mean, uh, it was I, I felt like I was walking on eggshells um, constantly. Uh, that I had no idea what I was doing. And it was a very foreign feeling to me. It had been a couple of years since I had started at Michael's and felt that way. Um, but, you know, I, I felt very comfortable at Michael's very quickly. And then walking into such a formal kitchen with with everyone around me, speaking French and understanding what they were being told to do, you know, I, it's not the kind of place where you want to look to the person next to you and say, what's going on? Or what, what, did, what, did, what did he just say to me? Um, Alex Lee was the chef at the time. Uh, Who's not French. <laughs> no, but he spoke it. And Danielle would come in and he would expedite and or you know oversee a, a group that he wanted to make sure was going perfectly and you did not want to screw something up in that kitchen no not for the big guy <laughs> <laughs> so um did you did you stay in new york after that i didn't uh, i i really wanted to um and i really loved i loved the city and at some point i wanted to move to new york um but i didn't have the resources to do that and um i don't know i i I felt like I had more contacts and opportunities in Los Angeles, so that's where I stayed. So, so you went back. You became an executive chef, right? And 
what, you know, you're going to get into your own restaurant, owning your own restaurant in a bit. But tell me, what's the difference, do you think, between New York restaurants and L.A. restaurants and just being a chef in both places? What are, the, you know, the produce that you have in the, in the West and everything as, you know, the growing seasons are so different. Is it more exciting to be a chef on the West Coast? Well, I mean, I grew up on the West Coast. I grew up in Los Angeles where, you know, my whole childhood I spent going to farmer's markets and, and you know, being able to drive to a farm that's not not very far away just to pick strawberries or, um, you know, just even going to the supermarket. And everything's so bright and vibrant and everything's always in season, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, even in the winter, things are green. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that New York restaurants really have to focus on seasons and what is local and available um, if, if you want to be considered a seasonal restaurant. Uh, whereas Los Angeles... There's a there's a bit more leeway and um, and I love that and I love produce and I love love vegetables I love herbs I love being able to grow them in my in my the back of my restaurant so it's it's a very different experience I think so take us on the journey to opening your own restaurant that's that's a scary journey terrifying journey um, I my first executive or my first sort of real formal executive chef position was at a restaurant. I, I, I worked at a place called Zach. I'm sorry. Uh, boxer was first. Um, and that was, that was brief. That was about a year. And then I moved on to a restaurant, uh, in Brentwood called Zach's and, uh, and I was 22 and I was an executive chef. Again, I was given a position that I was terrified of that I was given probably way too early. Um, I was terrified that I was going to stop learning and that was my biggest concern. Uh, I didn't feel like I knew enough at that time, but it was another challenge that I really wanted to take. How many people in your kitchen? I had probably a staff of, I don't know, 15 to 20. Now, at 22, you're managing, forget the cooking, you're managing 15 to 20 people who are probably all older than you are. What was that like? Were you, are you just a born manager, or was that? I mean, was that something you had to learn? Or tell me about that aspect of chefing. A uh, type of person that wants something done. If I'm going to put my name on on something and call it my own, I want it to look and taste and smell like my own. Uh, so, I suppose in that sense, it came naturally. Um, Whereas if I was going to change a menu and I was going to have a staff execute something that I would be proud of, um, I was going to make sure that it came out that way. And um, that somehow came slightly naturally to me. Uh, Of course, I was the youngest one in the kitchen, and I was a female, and I'm a small person stature-wise. So I was constantly asking for help to grab something off a shelf that I couldn't reach. Or, um, but I I felt like a lot of the men in the kitchen wanted to nurture that. Um, They had respect for the fact that I was a female and taking on this position, and um, I, I felt like. For the most part, um, I was met with a lot of respect in that position. Uh, there were, of course, several people who didn't feel that way, and you know, then I would have to execute that authority and say, "Then you don't belong here." <laughs> um, so that that changes people's perspective very quickly. 
How do you think they viewed you? Were you a nice boss? Were you uh, a difficult boss? I mean, how do you learn that kind of thing? I've, I think I think that's one of the hardest things for a chef uh, to do is to you have to be a teacher, you have to be a mentor, you have to be a taskmaster. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a big responsibility. Um, I'm a nice person, I think, in general, and uh, and act that way until I am incredibly frustrated and um, feel like people are purposefully purposely not not doing something that I've asked them to do very nicely. And because of that, um, you know, I my tone changes. So. So, okay, so what, what made you, so when did you have time to have a family? Well, at, at Zach's, my first executive chef position, I hired a gentleman who um, became my sous chef, uh, and we actually didn't like each other very much, but he was a good worker and he was a good cook, so um, there was no reason to, you know, to not have him around. Um, and after about a year and a half of working with each other, we actually ended up having a conversation and found that we had a lot in common. We were the same age and um, became romantically involved shortly after that and left left the restaurant um, that I was working at. And we opened our first restaurant at the age of 23 and made a lot. Together. 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 Um, 50-50. Yeah, so that was... Are you married at this time? No, no? not at all. Linked. Yeah, we, we lived together. Um, things went south very quickly at that restaurant because of some licensing issues. And How big was it? What was the name? How um, many seats? It was called Amuse Cafe. It was about 60 seats, and it was, it was our little mom-and-pop project. You know, we designed it. We bought the furniture. We We were very excited until we were very unexcited, <laughs> which happened pretty quickly. Um, we, what happened? Go into that. Well, uh, we, we didn't do enough research on the location and the neighborhood and the neighbors, particularly um, one specific neighbor who basically didn't want a restaurant in that location. And uh, we didn't have a beer and wine license. We were doing BYOB. And... Um, we were unaware of the fact that BYOB is actually illegal unless you have an, a, a, a license to sell alcohol. And he called the ABC on us, and I got I received, I remember a phone call very, very vividly from an investigator at the ABC who said, if you, if you allow one more person to open a bottle of wine in your restaurant, we're going to come and arrest you. So we had to stop allowing people to bring wine, and we were the kind of restaurant where you want to come in and have a glass of wine with dinner. And uh, so... Okay. It's an old building. Sorry about that, Jack. <laughs> okay. So this is the kind of restaurant... So, so this is the kind of restaurant that, that you want to have a glass of wine with dinner, and suddenly you couldn't do that anymore. And so we applied as quickly as we could for a beer and wine license. It took us over a year to get it. Um, we had to license the property to allow for a beer and wine license, a whole project, and with one neighbor specifically um, battling us the entire way. So by the time we got our license, which we did, um, we had 32 restrictions on it and um, had lost our entire clientele. So 
it that can be very stressful. Did you lose a lot of money? We lost a lot of money. Um, we lost a lot of my parents' money. We lost a lot of our investors' money. It was it was awful. It was it was the hardest thing professionally that I could ever imagine going through, especially at the age of twenty three. So there are a lot of twenty three years olds out there, maybe twenty two, maybe twenty four, thinking about doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you had to do this over again. What would you have done differently? I don't know that I would have had the wherewithal to even think about doing anything well, differently. You know, do your research. You know, do look look at the location and perhaps why it hasn't been successful in the past and why you have the opportunity to go into a location. Um, you know, because of a. a, a restaurant that wasn't successful before you. Uh, you know, I mean, it was the most expensive school I could have possibly gone to. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I learned a lot. And, you know, learn your licensing issues. Learn what you can and can't do. Learn how many people you can seat in that restaurant and how many people you can't seat. And learn, you know, what, what time you can serve until and what time you can take the trash out until. I mean, all of this stuff is public record. And if you don't do the due diligence, it will come back to bite you. Um, so fortunately, I mean, and I personally, uh, I mean, I was doing this with my then boyfriend and, uh, you know, that creates a lot of stress on a personal relationship. And I call it, I call what we had restaurant glue. It's stronger than any glue in the entire world. Um, it is stronger than kid glue. (laughs) You know, we, we lasted through several periods of time, very stressful times that we probably would not have lasted through together, uh, if we hadn't owned restaurants together. So um, we opened our next restaurant, which happened to be very successful and um, had a great bar scene and were able to make some money and pull ourselves out of a hole. And Who gave you the money after having the failure? Well, we partnered with someone who had a lot of, of connections, to financial connections, and he was the reason why we were able to do the next project. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know we had no credit after that. We had you know, spent all of our our entire credit card limit on everything that you could need to survive <laughs> with absolutely no money. Um, completely shot our credit, and uh, so this next project was it was very important that we made it successful. So we put everything into into it and ended up closing Amuse um, just after we opened Beechwood. Yeah. Uh, so. So, uh, but you were running them both at the same time? We were, we were. It was, it, they were very long days. We would open for breakfast at Amuse at 8 a.m. and close Beechwood at 2 a.m. And we would just trade off doing orders and running around. And at that time, not having a family was, was a very good thing. <laughs> what did your parents think while you are doing all this? My parents have always had this wonderful faith in me and knew that that I could do whatever I set out to do. And that was having that support from my parents was so incredibly important. And it, that is definitely why I've been able to get as far as I have. Oh, nice. So, so now uh, did you bring staff from Amuse over to Beechwood? 
We brought some stuff. Yeah, I mean, especially once we closed. Um, we you're not running Beachwood now. No. So, okay, so that, okay, so. And, 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 you know, and I think there's a marriage. In yeah, there. so. Um, be, well, let's take a break here. Mm-hmm. When we come back, we'll okay. get into that chapter. Okay. Welcome back. You're listening to Chef Story, and today my guest is Brooke Williamson from L.A. And boy, we haven't even touched the TV and all of that. So so Beachwood was your next restaurant, and it was a success. What, what year did you open that? Uh, uh, I believe we opened Beachwood in 2000. Six, five, maybe four, <laughs> somewhere around there. I'll speed it up a little. Um, Beachwood was fantastic, and then um, and you know very successful and constantly busy. And Nick and I uh, beca- uh, got married about I don't know four or five years into um, the after opening Beachwood. Um, and we felt like if we were able to make it through the closing of a restaurant and an opening of a very another very busy restaurant, we felt like we could pretty much make it through anything. So we got we got married, and about nine months later, had a baby. Oh, <laughs> and uh, and that having having a child, I saw as another challenge because I knew I wasn't done. Professionally, I, I I knew that I had so much left to do, so I needed to sort of put my head down and and get it done because I knew it wasn't going to be easier with a child. So um, immediately after having Hudson, our son, uh, we started looking at at other properties to open another restaurant, and found a restaurant that we eventually called Hudson House that we opened when he was just about a year old. So were you cooking? While I was pregnant, or while I was while he was an infant, oh. all both, all of it. Uh, I was cooking. I was expediting. Hudson was due on on February seventeenth. I told my doctor just keep him in me so that I can expedite on Valentine's Day because we're booked. <laughs> so I remember uh, very well. I, I we got through Valentine's Day, and then on the fifteenth, uh, I went into labor, and I was at work all day having contractions, <laughs> and finally ended up going to the hospital pretty much straight from work, um, and was back at work about three weeks after Hudson was born. Oh my gosh! Well, all right, this is one tough cookie here. <laughs> so, how do you handle being a mother? The hours of being a chef and running a restaurant, and how do you balance? How do you how do you do that mother wife uh, chef balance? Uh, you know, I think balance is in the eye of the beholder. I, I feel like I balance my life um, pretty well for all that I have going on. You know, have, having three restaurants that are open every day of the week and um, almost every hour of the day. Uh, there, you know, you have to you have to have a, a staff that you can trust. You have to let go a little, and that was very difficult for me. Um, letting go of of the control of of the kitchen or at least having a hundred percent control over everything that's going on around you uh, is very difficult and especially for me absolutely 
Um, but I, I knew that if I wanted to do more and expand and reach every goal that I wanted to, to reach, that I was going to have to let go a little bit. And it's been, it's been wonderful for being able to balance uh, motherhood. Um, you know, I, I, I am just as passionate about raising my own son as I am about, you know, running my own restaurants. So, um, so how did you, did, did you just decide we'll keep opening restaurants because you have a different concept or it's easier to run three than two? What was, what goes into building the empire? You know, I'm, I'm kind of a control freak and if it were just me, I probably would still have one restaurant. My husband is the one that constantly needs to keep his plate full and is constantly looking for more opportunities. And um, when they make sense, I agree. So, you know, we're, we're kind of a great team in that sense. And, um, you know, I'm not going to jump into something that I don't wholeheartedly believe in. So tell me how you started on TV and all of these different shows. What are they like? What is it like being contestants on these shows? Uh, uh, being on TV is never something I aspired to do as as a career move, which I feel like actually helped me on TV. Um, you know, people I, f- I feel like that get into TV land as as chefs don't necessarily have that background and and the passion and the capabilities of doing the job on TV that it, that it requires. Uh, a top chef approached me a few times before I said yes. Um, I, I guess because there's always sort of a bit of a hole in female talent for, for that show. Um, you know, they, they really want a certain caliber of, of female chef and someone that they know can hold their own. And there are a lot more men in the industry than there are women. So I was approached a few times until, and, and it was never the right time. I had either just had a baby or just opened a restaurant or just opened a restaurant or just opened a restaurant. <laughs> and finally I said to myself, my son was, was about four years old. And I said to myself, if I don't, if I don't do this, they will probably stop asking. And if I do do this, it could do wonders for, for what we're able to do in the future. So um, it was just a decision that that I kind of made. And I said, you know, I'm just going to go for it. And if I go for it, then I'm really going to try to make it worth it because I'm not leaving my family for two months and not making it worth it. So the shows that you were on, um, why don't you... I'm trying to find them all here. Which which ones do... do, How do you compare them? Uh, well, the, uh, the shows that I've done are all very different. Um, Top Chef was was a life experience, um, much more than a cooking experience for me. Uh, I was I, I I was put in situations that I was very uncomfortable with, and um, you know, right. like like I have a lot of phobias, and um, and I'm afraid of heights, and I'm afraid of boats, and I'm afraid of being in situations that aren't easily um, that I'm not easily removed from, and that are. Um, that I don't have control over, and nothing about Top Chef um, says control <laughs> in any sense. You have to let go and let the situation take you where it's going to take you and just believe that you're going to do well um, or try your best. And that was that was a very difficult position, and I feel like I really grew a lot as a person doing that show, and that, that 
that I feel like that's more important than anything I possibly could have gotten gotten out of that show. Um, it also taught me how to think on my feet and adapt very quickly to situations that that were very foreign. And um, so that was that was a very specific experience. Um, I also hosted a show called House of Food on MTV, where I got to be on the other side of things and judge and mentor um, other sort of quote-unquote students uh, who were passionate about food and some were there for the right reasons and I don't believe that they that others were and that was that was an interesting sort of eye-opener to see what young you know young people who want to go into the culinary world are really are really looking at right now and what you know I, I asked a couple of them what what fields they wanted to go into or what what area of expertise they wanted to go into and what they were passionate about and a couple of them said i want to be a tv chef and i didn't really know what that meant like do you want to be a chef who eventually has a cooking show or do you do, or are you on tv because you want to be on tv and i i, I didn't really know where to go with that so i very quickly um, was able to distinguish who was there for the right reasons. And there were definitely a couple of them who were, and who were very passionate, and it was really nice to see their growth and their, their journey. Um, so what's, let's go back to Top Chef. I think a lot of people are intrigued. How much do you get to see the judges and Tom Colicchio? Well, every challenge that we have, um, there's someone judging it. I, you know, every... Uh, it took you're you're living off in a in an area with all the other contestants mm-hmm. you don't see them after hours the judges no no uh we saw them in a very professional sense and they were our judges they weren't our friends um you know it was it was a very specific relationship that, and they kept their distance and they got to know us very well um but until the end, when you actually spend more one-on-one time, if you if you make it to that point, um, you know I, I was fortunate enough to get to the finale, and and you know by the end there were only two of us, and I had had a lot of conversations with them. But toward the beginning, you know, it's very judge contestant sort of relationship. So what's in the cards for you going forward? You've done so much, and you're still so young. I mean, what, what are the challenges out there that you want to conquer? I feel like I've really I've conquered most wow. of the challenges that, that I, I mean, I'd love to at some point um, expand my knowledge of other cultures of food and do a little bit more traveling. Um, Food travel is very important to me. I feel like it, it, it expanding my knowledge does a lot for the restaurants as well. Uh, you know, I love I love all three of the restaurants that we have right now, and and making sure that they stay up to par is really important to me. We're in the process also of opening a retail store um, behind the triple in Playa del Rey, and it's it'll it'll be a cookbook store slash sort of culinary store. Um, my husband makes cutting boards and we'll have sort of, you know, esoteric kitchen supplies and crafty bar supplies and stuff like that. And I think that'll be a really interesting field that I, that I have never been involved in. You know, I've never done retail and I think there, there are really, unless you're going to Barnes and Noble or, you know, a 
a, a bookstore that has tons of books in it. There really aren't any cookbook stores in Los Angeles. So That's I think, amazing. Right? yeah. So I think it, you know, we'll have areas for for chefs. Um, I have a lot of friends who have released cookbooks, and we'll have an area to do cookbook signings, and um, it'll just be a sort of a nice atmosphere where where you know you can go in and, and sift through books instead of going on Amazon and kind of not knowing what you're getting. So, um, how do you grow now? How do you increase your knowledge? Travel is one way. Books is another, but it must be very hard because you're so busy. It, it is hard, and it's it's something that constantly terrifies me is is becoming stagnant and not and not growing with with the cultures and times and trends. Um, so, reading is really important to me. Um, travel, of course, is very important to me, and honestly, just going out to eat and seeing what other pe- other people are doing is is wonderful. Um, you know, fortunately I've made a lot of doing this TV, the TV stuff has really enabled me to meet a lot of really wonderful, really talented people. Um, we attend events all the time. I learn constantly from other people. Um, so I think just sort of keeping myself out there and keeping myself busy is, is the best way for, for me to learn right now. Do you have any idols in the food world? Oh, so many. (laughs) Um, Oh God, that's that's a tough one. Don't put me on the spot with that. Uh, you know, that's you know that's hard. I just or where do you where do you like to eat in L.A. when you go out, which is not your restaurant? Right. I mean, I love sort of simplicity, and I love. I, I actually, if I'm going to choose anywhere to eat, it will generally be Asian food. <laughs> I love Asian food. I, we actually just went to Apudo for, for lunch, my husband and my son and I. Um, it's kind of the cr- food that I crave the most. But in terms of, of, of chefs that are doing really cool things, I mean, there's, there's so much going on. I, you know, I have a seafood restaurant, um, so I like to stay up to date on, on oysters and, and all, all sorts of seafood. I like go to the seafood market and just sort of look and see what's out there. Um, you know, I, I switch it up. I, <laughs> that's hard. Uh, I'm, not give, I'm not giving you what you want. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, we're, actually, we don't have too much time. Do you, what do you see as the trends right now? What's trending right now in restaurants in L.A.? What's trending? Um, you know, I think staying local, um, local sourcing local products and ingredients, I think is, is not only trending, but I think it's really wonderful. I think that the sort of idea of living off the land that, that you are closest to is, is not only great for the environment and, and, you know, for, for, for your food, but, you know, when you don't have to truck a, a, an ingredient, you know, hundreds of miles or thousands of miles, I think it tastes better. And I think that you are able to serve simpler food and and have really quality ingredients. And I, I, you know, that's how I like to eat. That's how I like to cook. I'm not. I, I know I'm not reinventing anything. I'm not. You know, I'm not coming up with techniques that have never been done. I. I really. My goal is to give somebody a really great dining experience, and if I can do that via service and food and beverage, then I feel like I've done my job. Well, I think on that note, 
<laughs> it's a great way to end. Thanks for coming here today. It's really been a pleasure meeting you. And um, when I'm in L.A., I can't wait to eat that seafood. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And I'd like to thank Robin Cohen and Jack Inslee, our producers. And I'd like to thank you for listening today. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.